we're talking about the person, the nature, and the work of the Holy Spirit, we've spent a lot of time on who he is. I remember when the Lord told me this. Years ago, he said, Tony, being led by my spirit is not about the principles. It's about the sensitivity that you maintain. We want to learn to live our life to be sensitive so that he can lead us. Remember, it's not what you know that'll get you over. It's who you know. Because otherwise, if it's just what you know, when the heat gets turned up and you just, you know something intellectually, you know something doctrinally, that's not going to get you over because you'll let go of it. But if you know the word, and when I say know the word, man, I, in my life, I'm getting to know the word every moment of every day. And what I mean by that is Jesus is the word. So I'm getting to know him. It builds strength in you. I, I, I can't even begin to tell you how it changes my life. I feel like every moment of every day is new for me in my walk with the Lord. My passion for Him, my hunger for Him, the strength that I walk in, the anointing, everything is always increasing, but it's not because it's increasing because I have my eyes on that. I have my eyes on one thing. I want to know Him. That song we sang, you know, then Mark quoted that scripture in Galatians. You know, then, then in what is it, 1 John, doesn't appear, right, who we shall be. But, but when he appears, we're going to be like him. But here's the kicker, we're going to see him as he is. So we've been talking about a lot about the person of the Holy Spirit. He wanted, and last week we started it, talking about how the Holy Spirit leads you. There are so many believers, and, and you know, we're charismatic Christians, so, you know, we're one God told me away from going off a cliff. I, can, I, can I say that? Can we be real in church, right? You know, you see it in people's lives, that they're frustrated with something, and if, they're, if you're frustrated and you're walking in that frustration, it tells me that you're not walking with him, with meditating in the word, keeping it first place, you're kind of living out of your flesh and you've cut yourself off from his leading. And then, you know, for most of us, we're not just going to go, okay, I think I'm going to go rob a bank today. But what we do is think, well, I think I'll, I'll go, I'll change jobs or I'll change geographic locations. And, and, and what we're trying to do is feel okay about ourselves. When the only time that you're ever going to feel okay about yourself is when your eyes are on him and off yourself. So we want to talk about, because the word of God is packed full of how he leads us. So turn in your Bibles to John chapter 16, and we're going to launch off here. Foundational scriptures we went through last week. I want to read them again. John 16, verse 13. John 16, 13 says this, How be it, now this is Jesus talking, and he's with his disciples, he's about to go to the cross. This is the last interaction he will have with them before he goes to the cross. And he says this, How be it when he, 
the spirit of truth is come, what will he do? He will guide you into all the truth. The Holy Spirit, when he comes, he is the spirit of truth. Well, John, the next chapter over, John, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, defines truth. He says, sanctify them by your word. Why? Because your word is truth. So you could read it this way. How be it when he, the spirit of the word, is come, he will guide you into all the word. You could definitely do that because truth is the word of God. What am I saying? The Holy Spirit will always lead you in line with the word of God. So if the word is not speaking to you, it's because you don't have ears to hear. It's not first in your life. So instantly now, you're not being led by the Spirit of God because he can't. There, See, the only time, did you notice in Psalm 119, verse 105, you've heard me say this, and if you stay here, you'll hear me say this so much, you'll start dreaming about this. But his word is a lamp to my feet, and it's a light to my path. Does that make sense? It says in Psalm 119, I think it's verse 130, it says the entrance or the opening of his word gives light. So the opening of his word, when he, the spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all the truth. The Holy Spirit, if, see, God's word contains his thoughts. So God's word, words are containers. They contain thoughts. You've probably never heard me say that here. I have no ability to open God's word. The Holy Spirit is who opens it. Oh, I've talked to some people that have a lot of letters behind their name and They've studied the word of God for decades. And when they talk about the word, you're like, wow, they don't know the word. They don't know him at all. Why? Because it's just mental knowledge, but it's never been opened. See, in my life, in order to walk and live by faith, the word has to constantly be opened. Oh, there's so many, and you know, I'll, I'll just jump all over. They call us the word of faith people, which I kind of like that. That's, that's just the word, right? But, but so many word of faith people, they've heard it for so many years that he has become common to them. And we sit in church, and man, we could finish every scripture the pastor's going to speak, but we don't know him. And so it's not producing in our life. And sometimes it's masked because, you know, if you make some money and you could drive a decent car or live in a decent house or have decent clothes, you could look re like you're really spiritually mature. I mean, I, I used to wear Armani suits and wore a Rolex presidential watch and drove a BMW. And boy, people in our church, man, they're thinking, wow, what a man of God. Then I went to Ramah. 
and found out I didn't know anything about how to believe God. So I went into sales. And what that means, we sold everything. <laughs> right? So, I, I mean, it's just crazy. But I, I could quote all the scriptures on provision. But I didn't know the provider. So the Holy Spirit today, and this is, this is the thing. You, re, you know that scripture where it says, Behold, I make all things new? Do you know every time I say Psalm 119, verse 105, it's brand new to me. In order for there to be light so that you could know where you are, right? A lamp to your feet or a light to your path, where you need to go, the word has to be open to you. So the Holy Spirit, he's the spirit of truth. He will guide you. How does he guide you? He opens it so that now the light of the word of God will guide you. God will never, the Holy Spirit will never guide you apart from his word. He won't do that. He can't do that. Because the Holy Spirit only testifies of what he hears. Right? So it says, he will guide you into all truth, for he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you Things to come. Notice not tell you. He shows you. Why? Because he opens the word of God. We call that revelation knowledge. And it shows us things. Don't you love it when somebody shows you something in your life that you should be doing that you're not doing? Isn't that just, doesn't it just bless you? Or like you come to church, you're all excited. And you're talking to somebody who's your friend. And you say a word. And the confession police, he pulls out his badge. And he, and he tells you, hey, you know, you shouldn't be saying that. Doesn't, it just blesses you, doesn't it? We would be so much more fruitful if we would just speak what the Holy Spirit is leading us to speak and let the Holy Spirit work on the person. Right? So this is important. Keep this in mind. I want this. We're setting the stage of what we're going to talk about. The Holy Spirit is the one that opens the word. So when you come to church today, don't ever say, well, I've heard that before. Because if you do, you're exposing yourself. You don't have ears to hear. Jesus said this all the time. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. I always, I'm like, Lord, I, I want to have ears to hear. I declare that I have ears to hear. If there's anything keeping me from having ears to hear, I, I, I'll, I'll make the change. Reveal it to me. Right? Show me what I'm not seeing. Show me what I'm seeing wrong. I humble myself. I'm not going to try to, all the little things in my life, I'm not going to try to take care of those. I'm going to let you take care of those so that when I face a big thing, I'll be used to it and you could take care of the big thing too. Right? Romans chapter 8 now Let's go here, Romans 8, 14, another foundational scripture. It says, for as, Romans 8, 14, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. Now, if you just read that, you could sit here and go, well, wait a minute. I, I'm a son of God, I'm saved, but there's been many times in my life where I didn't feel like I was being led by the Spirit of God. I know other believers that I know aren't being led by the Spirit of God. Right? 
I mean, you could see things in their life and you're like, well, what a man. But you got to dig a little deeper because this word says this. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the mature coming of age sons of God. See, you got to grow up. And God loves you enough. He doesn't want you to stay where you are. So trust him. Your flesh doesn't like it, but your spirit will. When the Holy Spirit leads, you won't hear an audible voice. You'll sense a pull or a tug on the inside of you. We call it an unction, an inner knowing. This is the primary way the Holy Spirit leads you. Now you got to realize this about the tug. Your flesh does not like the tug. When the Holy Spirit tugs, your flesh will agonize. Why? Because it wants to do what it wants to do. Now you, now you got to be careful because this is not just in good or bad. See, what is good? What is success? It's doing what God's called you to do. You, the number one thing the enemy wants to do is get you out of place. Oh, he would love for you to go to the wrong church, live in the wrong town, go to the wrong school, marry the wrong person. I mean, all this stuff. And none of it's really multiple choice. You have a path. And the Holy Spirit will lead you and guide you so that you don't miss it. Now, here's the good news. If you miss it, he'll bring you back around. He'll help you. Right? But you don't have to go through all that. So keep this in mind. Your, your flesh will agonize. So what that means is you'll have a peace down here, but your flesh is not going to like it. Right? What do you mean you want me to forgive this person? But oh, if you'll step out and get beyond your feelings. Well, I just feel so defeated. So what? Does that mean you're defeated? No, the Bible says he always causes you to triumph. Well, I feel so weak. Okay, what do you used to say? The Bible says be strong in the Lord. Let the weak say they're strong. If you can't see and you're having trouble, what do you say? I can see. That's what the word tells me to do. Right? This is, this is why the whole, we need the Holy Spirit. So then in verse 16 in Romans chapter 8, it says, he explains how the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we're the children of God. Notice, he bears witness. He leads us by our spirit. And what he will always do is he'll bear witness, you're a child of God. Tony, don't worry, you're a child of God. What can man do to you? Tony, don't be concerned about that. You're a child of God. And then he'll bring up scripture. I can do all things. I'm never alone. He made me whole. All, I'm healed. Provision's there. I don't have to trust in any person to do what God's called me to do. I could believe him and he'll, he'll make a way where there's no way. And so see, he bears witness. And then in Proverbs, we talked about this a little bit, in Proverbs 20, in verse 27, it, says, it, it gives us further clarity on that. It says, the spirit of man is the candle of the Lord searching all the inward parts of the belly. So we see from here that God 
enlightens and leads us by our spirit. So let me show you how this works. I've showed you this before. So this, let's just pretend that when he brings revelation, light comes out of the word, right? But this is what happens. So this is your spirit. When the word goes off and brings light, he lights your spirit. Does that make sense? So now, and I'll try to do this without... So when, when I'm, I'm, what I'm doing is here I am, I'm meditating in the Word. I've got it first place in my life. I always keep it in front of my eyes. I, I give it my undivided attention. I meditate in it day and night. Father, I thank you that I'm healed. I thank you that I've been redeemed from the curse of the law. And according to Matthew chapter 8, Jesus himself bore my sickness and carried my pain. And I just, I'm thanking him and I'm, and I'm rolling that over and over and over. And then all of a sudden, those words jump off a page. And now, revelation's there. And that light that comes out of the word of God, because the Holy Spirit's revealed it, it comes out of the word and it lights my spirit. And now it becomes a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. If I am walking in the flesh, I, it, this doesn't happen. So literally, have you ever been in this position? Or I'll, I'll, I'll use an example here you are, you're out of the boat, you're walking to Jesus. And you start considering your past. You start considering your shortcomings, your circumstances, and all of a sudden, the light's out. Why? Because you're looking somewhere else. But if you'll look back at Jesus, oh, in this position for a believer... There is great peace. You're led by the Spirit of God. Do you know, why, you know why so many churches have so much division and offense in them? This, this is why. Because of the inner turmoil in a believer who's trying to be something on the outside on their own. And they're not... They're not see, Acts 17.28 says, For in Him I live and move and have my being. And they're so frustrated because the word's not working for them, but it's not working because they're either, they just, they come to church for an hour or two on a Sunday, you know, and, and, and they don't even really read their Bible much. Or what they do is they, they, they love to study the deeper things of God. So, you know, my life is a mess, my health is a mess, my finances are a mess, my marriage is a complete disaster, and I'm studying end-time prophecy. Now, the Word is full of life, and it'll help you. Because th this is what will help you. The Holy Spirit, you, you're studying the Ezekiel 38 war, and he'll keep, he'll keep pushing you back to those first three chapters. Dude, you need to come back to your first love, the church of Ephesus, Right? Or somebody who's trusting in their riches or trusting in their ability. Okay, Mr. Laodicean Christian, you need, you think you're all that, but you're poor and naked. 
You're not doing anything. Get back here. Because in here is where you draw from his strength and his peace. And he leads you in peace. You never get stressed out. Even though there's chaos going on the outside, there's peace on the inside. See, so many Christians are trying to live like a duck. Right? They look just like on top of the water. They're just kind of... But underneath, man, their feet are going 9,000 miles an hour. Nope, we want to we we live on the outside how we live on the inside, at peace. Now, will you be tempted to turmoil? Absolutely, all day, every day. But we don't, right? So do you see how that works? You want to you live like this. You don't want to have moments of it. Because if you don't, when you live in your flesh, I mean, now you're, you're going to be living in your past, you're going to be, he, the enemy's going to be able to mess with you. He'll speak to your mind. But when this is happening to your spirit, now there's revelation knowledge that's washing over your mind. And we call that, that's Romans 12 too. Your life is being transformed by the renewing of your mind. And all of this is the work of the Holy Spirit. Because remember, if we sum up everything, now we can't leave, okay, but in reality, the whole thing on the Holy Spirit is one statement. The Holy Spirit's ministry will bring on the outside who you are on the inside. And he'll ensure that you're always in the right place at the right time with the right heart doing the right thing. But if you don't live this way, you're going to have inner turmoil. And when we live in inner turmoil, that's when we come to church I wonder why they don't do this, or I wonder why so-and-so did this to me, and hey, did you see this lady? She was just really mean to me. You know, that church isn't very friendly. I think I need to go somewhere else. And here's the thing about God. He doesn't change. So if you decide, hey, you know what? I'm sick of this. I'm sick of Omaha. We need to get out of here. You know how many Christians? They just bail. I'll, 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 I'll talk about us as pastors few people in the church get upset and all of a sudden the Lord starts talking to us about maybe we need to go to the next phase of our ministry and go pastor somewhere else. The problem with that is those people are not the problem. Pastor, you are the problem. And the problem is wherever you go, that's where you are. Man, that stinks. You know, I mean, I've done that before. I need to change this, and I need to do this, and I need to do that. But the problem was, what I needed to change was me. Now, the, the problem with that is I can't change me, but the Holy Spirit, he does. So graciously. So keep this in mind as we get into this. Now, he changes us. He leads us in the word. So let's go to Proverbs chapter 4, because I want to show you and we're just still laying a foundation. We're going to take our time in this. We're going to go through scriptures. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 20 is where we're going. This is the prescription on how to take the word of God. So we have to learn the, the Holy Spirit is always going to lead us in this way. Right? The Holy Spirit is never going to talk to you husbands about what your wife needs to be doing. You come home, you specifically asked her to do something, and it's completely opposite, and your flesh is riled up. Don't, don't go correcting your wife. I mean, you can, 
But you can't be led by the Spirit and do that. And every husband said, oh me. Every wife said, preach it, pastor. But that, you could flip that around too, right? So, so literally, the Holy Spirit, he is your tour guide. He guides you into your path. Now, your path affects other people. But, but if you get your eyes on what other people need to be doing, it's because of inner turmoil in you. And if you see somebody else messing up, it makes you feel better about yourself. But that's no way to live. That's not Zoe life. That's way down here. God wants us to live way up here where we're no longer living for ourselves. So let's look at Proverbs 4 and see how the Holy Spirit would lead us here. It says in Proverbs 4.20, My son, attend to my word. That means give my word first place. Not second place, doesn't work. Second place, no light. First place, light. So many people think they're being led by the Spirit. But if they're first, no light. Not, not partial light, no light. Right? Not because he doesn't want to give you light. It's because he can't. Because he will not force you. He's a gentleman. He, 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 he's always waiting for you to invite him in. Attend to my words. Number two, put it first. Number two, incline your ear to my sayings. That means to give the word of God your undivided attention. Notice these first two steps. God doesn't do it. You have to do it. You have to make a decision to put his word first. You have to make a decision to give it your undivided attention. Let's keep going with this. Let them, God's words, not depart from your eyes. Again, you have to decide this. What does that mean? That means I made a decision. Not only am I going to keep the word of God first, I'm going to give it my undivided attention so I'm not going to let anything else have my attention. I'm going to put everything through the filter of the word. But now I'm going to keep the word of God. I'm never going to let it depart from my eyes. So I'm always going to live life seeing myself having, being, and doing who God says I am, what he says I can do, and what he says I have. So if my circumstances don't add up with that, I'm going to default to always go, nope. If I, if I see lack in the natural, I'm going to say all my needs are met because that's what his word says. Does that make sense? That means I'm not going to let that depart from my eyes. Satan, you could yell, you could scream, you could use people, you could use circumstances, but I'm going to stand. Now, who causes me to stand? He does. But I'm going to be willing and obedient, so I'm going to stand, and I'm never going to let the word depart from my eyes. Does that make sense? Now, think about it. I'm never going to let Jesus depart from my eyes. I'm going to put Jesus above everything else in my life. I'm going to give Jesus my undivided attention. I wonder if I'll get to know him in that position. And then it says, keep them or keep God's word in the midst of your heart. 
For they, so see, when I put it first, when I give it my undivided attention, when I always keep it before my eyes, it will be in the midst of my heart. For what? For God's words are life to those that find them. It denotes you have to look. It's a desire. You have to, you're, you're, you're pursuing. This is not automatic. This is why Satan loves 2018. Because technology can keep you so busy. They have TVs where you could watch four football games at the same time. You know, you could watch all kinds of nonsense. Now, now the football's not nonsense, okay? We want to keep this good. But see, you could waste your life watching TV. You, you could waste your life watching movie after movie after movie. Now, does that mean it's bad? No, no. That means you need to be led. So he, the Holy Spirit will lead you. Does this make sense? This is not about a bunch of rules. This is about sensitivity. It's about relationship. For they, God's word, are life unto those that find them. See, this is talking about a man who has chosen to make God's word a part of his heart. This man will live here. Now, and here's a big reason why we are afraid to step out. Because we care too much about us. The only reason why we do, see, you're not even wired to care about yourself. You are wired to be concerned about others and to fulfill the plan of God. And you, you know, your spirit man knows, I just seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. He adds everything to me that I need. But see, if you get in the flesh, then you'll start thinking about yourself and it clouds all of this. It's health to all their flesh. Verse 23, we went over this, we finished with this last week. We said, keep your heart with all diligence. That means whether you feel like it, whether you not, whether, whether you don't. It, it literally means, this word diligence also means watchfulness. I'm always guarding my heart. When a thought comes to my mind, I'm, I'm, I'm trusting, I'm going to stay full of the word, I'm walking in revelation, so now, when, the, when it's not a thought from, from the word of God, if, if it's not in line with that, I could take it captive. Right? I have to guard my heart with all diligence. This word means steady in the business of. This means I am always watching my heart. Why? Because out of my heart, out of my heart flow the issues or the boundaries of my life. And God wants to expand your boundaries to where all things are possible to him who believes. Oh, the people that sit in church and are bored by this stuff. And all it shows is their relationship with the Lord is wanting. Right? And, and guys, you got to understand, as we're sitting here today, the Lord is, he, he knows our hearts. Amen. And if he sees you bored with him, you know what? He doesn't get upset. What he does is he looks at a person, and, he, and I can't find somebody that's bored with him, and I wouldn't do that anyway, right? But... Uh, <laughs> But he just looks at them, and he's like, okay, how can I get them in the right place? Because I want to bless them. I want them to walk in everything. 
I, I'm their answer. I'm their shield. I'm their protector. I'm the one that makes them whole. See, so just realize that. And here's the cool thing. If you're not hungry for the things of God, oh, just start feeding on him. And the more you feed, the hungrier you'll get. So now I've laid a foundation. But what I, what I said all that to say this, we have two classes of things in your life. You have needs and you have desires. And I want to spend a lot of time talking to you about that because the enemy is going to get you always focusing on living in the need area of your life. And the Holy Spirit doesn't lead you in that area. He wants to get you over in the desire area because the need area has already been taken care of. All we are to do with our needs, Father, I thank you that my needs are met. So let's go to Matthew chapter 6, and we'll launch off here. And I just want to take my time. You know, in, the, in this CD series, it might be part one, part two, who knows. I've been known to go to parts, a lot of parts. So, but we're going we're gonna to really lay a foundation, because not only do I want you to get this, so that it becomes really evident, you're, you're going to start thinking, okay, I know how he leads me. See, when you understand how he leads you, you'll understand his leading. And all of a sudden, this is what happens to you. Oh my goodness, I knew all the time what I was supposed to do. You know, most of the time, it's just that I'm not willing to do what he wants me to do. So I, I, you know, I need to go talk to pastor. I need to talk to my friends. Uh, you know, because I just, maybe, maybe somebody will tell me that I don't have to do it. And then you do it, and you're like, oh, I knew that all the time. And oh, it's so awesome. Right? So Matthew chapter 6, we'll look at verse 24. Matthew 6, 24. Now, in this passage is a master key to walking in the kingdom of God. But it says this, Matthew chapter 6, verse 24. No man can serve two masters. Okay? So there's two masters that God lists in the world, and you can't serve both of them at the same time. Either he'll hate the one and love the other, or else he'll hold to the one and despise or treat as common the other. So there's two, two things that happen. Someone will, will love one master and hate the other one, but the other possibility is he will just hold to the one and treat the other one like they're common, like no big deal. That's where most believers live. So, you cannot serve God and mammon as that other ruler. It's, that word mammon was a Chaldean term. It literally means riches. It means wealth. But it's under the context of riches and wealth that are gained wrongly. And, and people think, well, what do you mean, stealing? Could be. But a big part of this word, it literally means wrongly, means I got it not in faith, I wasn't led by the Spirit. I just worked hard. I did my own thing. I'm my own man. That's mammon. Instead of, I'm following, I'm walking out the plan that God has for me. Verse 25, because of that, because there's two masters, because you could either hold the one, despise the other, or you'll hate the one and love the other, whatever. But he says, therefore, verse 25, therefore I say unto you, take no thought, 
This word means an anxious thought. What is that? Don't worry. Because there's two masters, don't worry. First thing God tells you to do is don't worry. Don't worry for what? For your life. Don't have anxious thoughts about your life. How am I going to get enough money to pay this? How am I going to get enough money for retirement? How am I going to find a job to make enough money what I need right now? What, what about my kids? How am I going to do this? And how, you know, this, the car, the washer broke down and, and all this stuff. We're not even to have any anxious thoughts about that for your life. That is in the need area. God's saying don't ever have anxious thoughts about your needs. So the Holy Spirit will never press you and make you anxious about your needs. He's not doing that. That would be the enemy or just your unrenewed mind. It says here, For your life, what you shall eat, what you shall drink, nor yet for your body, what you shall put on, is life or is not life more than meat. That means nourishment. This word can be translated wages. Isn't life more than what the money that you make at work? And the body more than raiment? Do you know that we are the only creation that worries? And, and it's killing our physical bodies because our bodies aren't designed to handle stress. We get outside of God's natural design when we worry. Now, will you be tempted to worry? I'm tempted to have anxious thoughts a lot. But you got to take them captive. Worry and fear have no ability to produce anything good. Ever. Right? Sometimes your wife might look at you and say, well, don't you care? Nope. I, as a matter of fact, I refuse to care. Because I can't be in faith to change anything if I care. Right? Now, I will care for a person, but I can't carry a person's cares. As a pastor, God demands that I don't. He came to me a few months ago, and he said, I told you to let people go that have left and went someplace else to church. And I'm like, Lord, I did. I, I told, because when, when somebody, you know, when people leave because you love them and you're like, oh, I just, you know, especially if you see signs that maybe they might be leaving for the wrong reason or whatever, you're like, oh man, you know, you just care about them. And I find myself, those thoughts, if you would have done a better job, you know, you, and, and most of the time, oh, you tick them off and, and you don't know what you did or whatever, you know, because you're human or you, you, whatever, and you just care about them. And the Lord's like, don't you do it. I'm the head of the church. You give them to me and you don't touch this in your thought life anymore. So I'm like, Lord, I did. I'm like, totally. I, you know, I know you get on me about things and, and you're right all the time. But this time, I, I really think, Lord. And he's like, he's like, well, then why are they still in your phone? So I started, because what I do is I keep people in my phone, even if I've never talked to them, 
Because I pray, I just go down my phone list and I, you know, I, I, when I see names, I just pray for them and the Lord stirs me. So he had me take people out of the phone. You know, I'm still tempted. Because these people, I love them. Well, of course I love them. I'm one with them. Right? We're all one with each other. But you can't carry it. You might have children that are out there doing things that you're not happy about. You might have situations where because of mistakes you've made as a parent, you've cut some things off. Don't worry about that. Don't touch that in your thought life because it will, it'll, you can't carry that stuff. Here's one thing Satan will always do. He'll always get you fighting something, a battle that you can't win. Always. Here's the good news. You could take Isaiah 54 and go, you know what? My children will be taught of the Lord and great will be the peace of my children. And I could take that and go, okay, I don't care if they're in Japan. There's no time or distance in the spirit. God will work behind the scenes. I'm just going to thank him that it's done. And when I talk to him, I'm never going to try to, I'm just going to look down on the inside of me what to say. Right? If, if they won't talk to me, I'll just keep believing God. And, and I know, and I'm so thankful, I know there will come a time and all of a sudden they'll call me up. What's really cool, have you ever had God, this problem in your life, all of a sudden it just goes away. All of a sudden this child that's out there wild and not serving the Lord, all of a sudden calls you up. And man, they got saved, they're in church, and they just want to tell you all about it. And you're sitting there going, wow, I didn't even do anything about that. God works behind, he's working behind the scenes right now in every one of our lives. So take no thought. Worrying about your needs is acting like, let me say this, is acting exactly like God does not exist. Anytime you worry, you need, to, you need to just come into the reality for me to worry about something when I'm in him is like I'm living like he doesn't even exist. We are not to become distracted from the substantial issues of life over less important issues like our needs. He's already met our needs. Verse 26 Boy, we're not getting very far. Man. Are you getting something out of this today, though? Amen. Verse 26. Behold, the fowls of the air, they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much better than they? Which of you, by taking thought, again, this anxious thought, or in other words, it's saying literally, which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit unto his stature. And why take ye thought for raiment? Right? Don't worry if you're not very tall. Because the Bible, you have Bible proof that God's with you. Before Jesus left the earth, he said, Lo, I am with you always. I know that's corny. And, and besides... Height is just in relation to what? I remember when I was in the sporting goods industry. You know, there's nothing like being around the L.A. Lakers and handing them their championship caps. I'm 6'3", and I felt like a little kid. Here, here, Kareem, don't hurt me. 
here, magic, you know, you're short. You're only 6'9". Man. So don't, don't get caught up. See, we, 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 we think worrying's going to help us, and it won't. It won't help us at all. And why take ye thought, verse 28, for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, they toil, not. This word toil means they are not wearied in their mind. Don't toil. You've been redeemed from worry and toiling, stress in your mind. Neither do they spin, and yet I say unto you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which is today, and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Again now, verse 31, Therefore, take no thought, no anxious thought. Don't worry, saying. See, take no thought, saying. How you take a thought is when you say it. Does that make sense? The word now, now we got to say this. The word doesn't say think not. Right? God wants you to renew your mind, not remove it. He didn't say don't think. He said take no thought. It's almost like somebody's offering you a thought and God's saying don't take it. That's exactly what's happening. Right? And you do it by saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or wherewithal shall we be clothed? If you want to stop giving, this is a great verse because Ecclesiastes says, if you consider your circumstances, you'll never sow. Wherewithal shall we be clothed? After all these things, the Gentiles seek for your heavenly Father knows that you have need of all these things. What are we saying? Don't judge the rest of your life by the crisis that you might be facing right now. That's what Satan loves. He loves for you to look at the crisis that's screaming at you right now. And all of a sudden, you start judging the rest of your life. What do you say? It's never going to change. I've been living paycheck to paycheck for year after year, and it's never going to change. He loves that because now you have no hope, so nothing for faith to give substance to. And here's the thing. You can change it by just thinking about something else. Because the word, when you start meditating on the word, it'll go off and it'll blow all that other stuff away. I love that about God. We are to take no anxious thought for our needs. See, most of our prayer life is releasing what? Worry about our needs. Hmm. Always realize you take a thought by saying it. Because remember, your tongue is the steering wheel of your life. Verse 33, but seek ye first the kingdom of God. That means, that word seek means to pursue. It means to study. It means to explore. It means to understand. And it means to consider. The kingdom, you, you do this first. You consider the kingdom of God first. And his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. See, the blessing of God, you never seek the blessing. You seek him, right? And, the, and he adds it all to you. In the Old Testament, it was the same way. The blessing would overtake them. 
which means I'm pursuing God and it overtakes me. Satan will try to get you seeking it. I just got to work harder to pay my bills. What do you need to do in that situation? If you find yourself, your bills are here and your income's here. First of all, you know it's not God's will. You probably got there from some stupidity that you did, right? At least, or am I just talking about myself? Don't worry about that. Don't get stressed. You give that whole care to the Lord and, he, and say, okay, I submit my life to you. I know you're my provider. I know you want my rent paid. I know you want my mortgage paid on time. I know you want my bills paid. I know you have all the needs of my life. You've already met them. So now you lead me into what to do. But now sometimes the Holy Spirit might lead you into getting another job. And you're like, whoa, wait a minute. Or, or get another job that maybe you think is below you. Well, now we got another problem. Pride. Right? So be willing to do whatever. You seek by thinking, meditating, reasoning, and inquiring into the word of God. If people don't seek God's way of making them right, which is righteousness, which is faith, then what they do is they make up their own way. It's usually works which will lead them to guilt, shame, condemnation, inner turmoil. Has that ever happened to anybody? Right? So we're going to talk more about this. I want to kind of finish just a little bit. Hang with me for a few more minutes. I want to talk a little bit about this need area. I want to define a need. A need would be classified as an urgent requirement for something essential. Food, clothes, car, gas, that stuff. A need could also be defined as a necessity that has been created by some kind of emergency that happened. Not one time did Jesus ever ask, or did he ever teach or tell us that we're to ask the Father to meet our needs. Not one time. Most, most Christians apply their whole life to the need level of their life. They approach God only on the need level. See, what is faith's response to your needs? What happens, faith's response to any need that arises in my life is this. To believe that my Heavenly Father knows about that need and has already provided for it. When? 2,000 years ago. So if I need a washing machine in 2018, he already provided the washing machine 2,000 years ago. So it's not a matter of him giving it to me. It's a matter of me receiving it. So if it breaks down, instead of getting stressed, you look at it and go, Father, I thank you. I thank you that I have a new washing machine. I thank you for providing the money. I thank you for working it all out. And I refuse to worry about it. Right? And any need that arises in your life. Because Satan is the master at getting things to blow up in your life. Right? How many things ever blow up on a Sunday morning in your life? Ever. You get up and you're like in euphoria. Oh, we're going to go to the house of the Lord. And then the dog peed on the carpet. And did this and, you know, I mean, all this stuff, right? I was in a hurry the other day. 
And I'm, you know, I'm trying, I have a meeting and I'm like, oh shoot, I gotta take the garbage out, it's Monday. And so I go to shut my garage door and it goes down and goes back up. And I'm like, what in the world? And I'm not the most mechanical person. And I see this cable laying on the ground. That in three years, that's the third time I've seen that same cable sitting on the ground. So now I'm thinking, okay, how in the world do you shut this? You know, I, I'm just not real mechanical. So um, I just, you know, I learned when the guy came out and fixed it, he had to fix another bracket because I just, I just kind of grabbed it and jammed it, you know, and it, and it broke something off. I'm like, what was that? And I didn't know what it was. But I guess you just have a little handle that you could just kind of do this. And it, so I, you know, I slammed the door down, and I'm just feeling wonderful. I thank God for the Holy Ghost because, because I'm going to go into a meeting where I have to be led by the Spirit of God, right? And I'm 100% in the flesh. I was really proud of myself that there's no holes or dents in the garage door. But, you know, I mean, it's just, but, but praying in the Spirit, it's just like, it's like it's only a garage door, right? Then I called the garage door company, and the lady acted like I was bothering her. And so I'm like on the phone in my car going, you know, this is just a wonderful day. <laughs> and you know, it all worked out. Isn't it amazing? But Satan tried to bring that one from an anthill to Mount Everest. <laughs> See, this, in this battle, you got to hear me. See, why am I saying stuff? I hate when the Lord has me telling myself. But anyway, we live here, right? This is where faith's response is always... Jesus provided for this 2,000 years ago. I'm just going to thank him that that need is met because that garage door could get me out of pursuing the desires of my heart where the leading of the Holy Spirit is and get me in the need area. Oh, I got to add this to my to-do list. And then, okay, then I got, you know, where's the money going to come for this and that? And forget all of that. Let him take care of you. It's so wonderful. This is where our words, our attitudes, our thinking, and our renewed mind is so important. It's so important. Our words, our attitudes, our thinking coming out of our renewed mind is so important. You know in Ephesians 6 where it says, having done all to stand, stand? If you have a renewed mind, your spirit is, going, is down on the inside of you like an anchor. Start thanking him. Start thanking them that it's already fixed, that the money's going to come in. Proverbs 11.31, the money that it's going to cost to fix that, Satan's got to bring that back. He's not going to steal that from me. Right? All this stuff. But, but if you don't do it, he can steal from you. The good news is, even if you figure that out 10 years later, he's still got to bring the money back. That's good news. Many Christians can't grasp us speaking that we have what the Bible says we have. People that come against this word of faith message will say things like this. Well, they just think they could just command God based on their will to do a miracle. And we hear that and go, oh, I, don't, I don't believe that. I believe that if I know the will of God, I could have faith and he'll do it. But it's all based on his will. And he loves it when I bring his word to him. Many Christians do not believe that God has already met their need. Why does that happen? Because they're not taught. This is why we teach 
the word of God. Every need you will ever have is already met. It's already met. There are angels that have been sent forth to minister for you. And God will lead you so that you always are ready for anything that you'll face. But you got to start that process. And it all starts by getting over yourself and submitting your life to that. To say that I don't even have to ask my father for my needs means that my father is the type of father that takes care of them. Right? I hope my children know that I would do anything to meet their needs. That, and that's the way our father is. He's so good, he looked ahead. He's El, he's El Shaddai. He's Jehovah Jireh. He looks ahead and provides. When we say, now I'm getting really close here. When we say God is our source, does it mean, option one, any need that I have, I can ask God to meet it. Or, option two, that God is so much my source that God has already provided and made preparation for the meeting of my needs before I'm ever aware that I need it. It's option two. It is not option one. There's not one place in the Bible that says you're to pray and ask God to meet your needs. God doesn't find any pleasure in that. God says, I've already met your needs. So all you need to do if you have a need, Father, I thank you, it's met in Jesus' name. Now, Holy Spirit, lead me in this. What, what do I need to do? You've you got to get revelation on this because in the natural, you could sit here like this if you're in need, if you're, if you're encompassed by a crisis right now. But don't worry about that. Get your eyes off all the circumstances and let revelation come and all of a sudden you'll go, oh, it's met. It's met. You don't need to ask God to do things that he's already done. You just thank him for doing it. Faith, remember, doesn't deny that the problem exists. Faith acknowledges that there's a higher power, God, who will change your present circumstance. Faith always takes God at his word. And always remember this, God sees every need in your life as past tense. Do you, do you understand that? So next week, we're going to talk about desires. Because see... Once you get past all the need and you don't spend the time there, you'll start delighting in the Lord. And all of a sudden, see, he'll start giving you desires in your heart. And those are expressions of his will for your life. In here is, who do I marry? Where do I go to school? Where do, what do I do this? Or where do I go here? What do I say? In every little detail of your life, the Holy Spirit locks arms with you and says, come on, I'm going to lead you into a glorious life. And, and I'm telling you, for us, this is the way it is. You let go. You throw all the care on him, and you start walking. And you let the light, all of a sudden you're delighting in him. You're not moved by the outside. You're only moved by him. And all of a sudden now, you start moving in him. And you go from glory to glory on this earth. But see, it doesn't stop there. I'm telling you, you'll just get so caught up with him that all of a sudden one day, you're like, oh my gosh, I'm not on the earth anymore. 
And now I'm in eternity and he's still in me and he's still with me and now he's leading me in eternity. That's the way it is to be for a believer. Because at the end of this life, before you step, here's what you're to feel like when you're to pass from this earth. Complete satisfaction. I've, I've yielded all my fruit in my season. It's time for me to go home. It's time for the next thing. Oh, I'm not going to cease to exist. Amen? We're talking about life here. This is, this is what it means to be a child of God. And it's all under the umbrella that the God of heaven loves you. He did it all because he loves you and he wants you to know him. Amen?